What's up, Whisper Nation? We are back at it. We got week five ranking reaction right here. This is episode 81 of the Fantasy Whispers. We got Big Travi, Johnny Game Time Hicks, and Austin Sear here. And we're going to take you through these matchups. Let's hit it. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. <laughs> What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Thursday, October 3rd, and you're listening to episode 81 of the Fantasy Whispers with your hosts, Johnny Game Time Hicks, Big Travi, and me, Austin. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com. We have articles, latest episodes, and of course, our rankings. And new for 2019, we have our Patreon account. So head on over to patreon.com and search The Fantasy Whispers to check us out. That's right. Yeah. We're about to be, guys, a quarter of a way, uh, a quarter of the way through the NFL season. We actually officially are. And how crazy is that? Because I feel like it was just yesterday we were begging for football back, Johnny. So I'm I'm stoked and I'm a little it's a little bittersweet because I feel like it's going a little fast. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're essentially like a third of the way through our fantasy football season, the regular season. Uh, and hopefully you're off to a good start. And if you're not like me, uh, we got plenty of time to catch up. But we got to buckle down and we got you covered here at the Fantasy Whispers. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. That, that's right. Don't give up. And if you want some of the content that we're talking about, you know, waiver wire articles, videos, anything you you could imagine to get you through your week and get you through the year. Hit like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not, get over to YouTube and subscribe because we've got constant content coming out all the time, including Austin's two-minute drill. Uh, he has a lot of fun doing these. Why don't you give us a rundown of what that two-minute drill in, uh, entails? Well, the two-minute drill, I basically go ahead and that's – and then you got the whole thing right there. Did that make sense? No, <laughs> that but, but the two-minute no. drill makes a lot more sense than that. If you do see it. Basically, yes. what it is is taking all the matchups that you're looking at this week, and I'm going to give you your basic player stay away general overview of every single team in two minutes or less. It is really fun to do and – really grueling to produce so please check this one out um would love that let me know what you think it's a it's definitely a fun one for sure yeah so get on over there hit like and subscribe you'll get that content uh austin also does the wisp perspective and we've got two episodes a week that go up over there plus johnny's always working on some cool videos that we drop randomly as well so we know you guys would appreciate it go check it out Today's show, of course, is our rankings rundown. What we do every week on Thursday is we try to give you the rankings and pose it up against, you know, the consensus of the fantasy football industry and let you know where we're different on those rankings. Austin likes to come in, look at the rankings versus that consensus and pick our brain about why we ranked these guys where we did and kind of. Uh, put us up to bat uh, on these rankings. But before we jump into that, Austin, I think we have some news and notes, right? It is. It's time for news and notes from around the NFL brought to you by Fanatic. That's F-A-N-A-T-I-Q. It's where fantasy meets IQ. And fantasy Fanatic has done some amazing work to their app this offseason, including adding articles, podcast episodes like this one, player stats, and beat writer updates all within their app. So head on over to the App Store on your Apple device and download today. All right, you ready to jump into some of these news and, news and notes? Let's do it. Mike Williams. Mike Williams is back. He was limited at practice on Wednesday. Travis, it, last week it was a knee. Now it's back. Look, he's a big guy, and he's had some injury concerns. I mean, this is the thing. When you're a big-bodied guy, sometimes this happens. They, the laundry list of injuries tend to occur. Um, it would be nice for Phillip Rivers if Williams could make it back. I'm cautious on Williams. I know that he is seeing a lot more snaps and targets than he saw last year when he's on the field. But uh, I would want to wait and see him put a, a game or two together before I felt confident sliding him into my lineup. Johnny, how much, how healthy does Mike Williams have to be for you to feel comfortable starting him? I don't think he has to be 100%. Uh, listen, no football player is playing at 100%. We're five weeks in. But what we do see is that you know, the number two wide receiver for this offense is getting the, a lot of targets. I mean, 
last Sunday on the live, I talked about if you were in a pinch, if you were in a bind, go ahead and pick up Inman and start him. And he ended up doing pretty well. He had like seven or eight targets or catches for about 79 yards. So it's they can still produce. He doesn't have to be to that full extent. Plus, you know, in the red zone, they're going against this Denver Broncos defense, which, let's be honest, has not really shut down people. And so uh, I, I don't mind starting him if you need to. If I can stay clear and, and go a different route, I would I would definitely do so. But if you have to start him, you can start him. Terry McLaurin, hamstring, it's still giving him some issues. He was limited at practice on Wednesday. Travis, do you think he's going to play? And if he does, at what percentage uh, is he healthy? And how comfortable do you feel with him in your lineup? Well, based on what I saw out of Dwayne Haskins, not very confident. And based on what I saw out of Terry McLaurin last week, not very confident. I mean, he was practicing in a limited fashion up to last week. They thought he was going to go. It was very optimistic on Sunday, and then he didn't go. And so I just didn't understand what happened there. So for me, I'm kind of fading McLaurin at this point. I, once again, I need to see McLaurin and Haskins together. What we saw out of McLaurin was looking very promising, but it was all with Case Keenum. So monitor this situation closely, not only for his injury, but for that rapport with Dwayne Haskins. He should still be the wide receiver one there. He should still be the wide receiver one there. And also, the thing is, is he doesn't really necessarily have to build the rapport with Haskins because he's already has that rapport with Haskins. They played together in college. I understand it is the NFL a little bit different as far as reads and things like that. But he went to this coaching staff and asked them to draft them a, a wide receiver from Ohio State for a reason. He wanted the safety blanket. And Scary Terry is looking like the real deal. However, even if he can go this weekend, listen, you're going up against the New England Patriots, and what do they do? They like to take your best playmaker out of the game, and for Washington, let's be real, that would be Scary Terry. So even if he can give it a go, I love his future in this during this year and in this league, but this week, no matter what, I think I would be sitting him because of the matchup. Juju Smith-Schuster over here in Pittsburgh, uh, he was out of practice with a toe. Uh, what are you, are you, are you concerned about this toe or are you just concerned about Juju in general? Yeah, probably more concerned about the fact that he doesn't have a lot of work with Mason Rudolph other than the giant touchdown he scored against the 49ers. Uh, we did see the toe be an issue against Cincinnati on Monday night. He kind of hopped up, left the game. Um, it was able to come back, but it wasn't, you know, very effective at all with or without the toe. Juju is not a guy that you're confident like you were starting each and every week with Mason Rudolph. And it looks like after at least two weeks, uh, the Steelers feel comfortable dinking and dunking, and that's not exactly Juju's style, although he has experience in the slot. So it will be interesting to see if in order to get Juju involved, they push more of his snaps into the slot. Are you still excited about Juju, Johnny? Not as much as I was coming into this season. I have downgraded him to more as a wide receiver two option with Rudolph. Listen, Rudolph, I thought, would be a lot better than what he currently is, but Travis hit it on the head. He's more of a dink and dunk kind of a quarterback, and that isn't bowing well for Juju Smith's game. So if I can sell Juju right now and possibly get you know an RB2 or maybe a, a package him for a better wide receiver, the name value alone should warrant some kind of interest there. So I would try to do that if I can. I'm just not super optimistic with uh, this combo of Rudolph and Juju. Johnny, Devontae Adams was out of practice still from dealing with that toe injury. What's your prognosis here? Is, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? My, From what I'm reading and researching, uh, it's not looking good for him. Now, again, continue to monitor this because we do have a couple more days. Thursday and Friday are going to be big big days, big practice days. So if he doesn't make it on either one of those, I doubt he is going to play. And listen, I think that they should sit him. They're in a position where they're they're in the in the lead of this division. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. They are not in the lead in this division anymore. Chicago it's a good is, division. It is a good they're division. Tied. Well, um, hold on. Hold on. The Packers still are in the lead because yeah. they beat the Bears. You are correct. Yes, yes. So um, I, I just don't think that they are going to listen. A turf toe is... Kind of a big deal, and if you aggravate it, it sets you back even further. They're saying this isn't a super, super bad uh, level degree. I don't even know how you grade these big toe, <laughs> like turf toes, but they're saying it's not 
it could have been a lot worse than it really is. So Devontae Adams, I, I would expect him to sit and just give him that long rest uh, before their next game. Travis, I know this one means a lot to you. James uh, Conner, mispractice yeah. with an ankle. Yeah, head, e- ankle, knees, and toes. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what this sting uh, rundown seems to be with these news and notes. James Conner uh, continuously disappoints me in my league of record. And uh, he just he's disappointed fantasy owners across the fantasy community. And that's because he has not cashed in. Some of it is the underperformance of this offensive line for Pittsburgh, which was ranked as a very high offensive line, has a lot of good starters on it, and just does not seem to be putting it together. Uh, Some could maybe be attributed to the fact that Antonio Brown is not in that offense, and so there's no threat of over the top, and so teams can focus in on the run. And then other is just James Conner himself, multiple injuries um, and his inability to get anything going. Last week was a nice sign that they transitioned the offense fully to Mason Rudolph, to dink and dunk, and both he and Jalen Samuels saw nine-plus targets in the offense and were very heavily involved. There was some Wildcat stuff going on. If he doesn't go, Jalen Samuels is an elite play at the mm-hmm. flex RB2 position, and then you're talking about James Conner being an RB2 with some upside given what Nick Chubb just did to the Cleveland or to the Baltimore Ravens. Moving over to Dallas, Michael Gallup, according to the Dallas Morning News, is expected to play in Week 5. Johnny, what does this mean? Um, I mean, I'm not going to start him. He's coming off the injury, but it, it definitely is good that he's coming back. Uh, I loved what he was doing before he went down, but we also have to do, we, you know, they're going against this Green Bay Packers defense, and I know Big Travis is a little frustrated and called him out on the last show, but I do. their corners are good, and I want to see how he's worked back into this offense. I don't know if they would open him up for a full uh, range of snaps right away. So I, I would proceed with caution. But moving forward after this week, I definitely do like Michael Gallup's outlook. And if he's on your waiver, I'm going to pick him up right now. In Indianapolis, Marlon Mack, his ankle caused him to not practice today. Um, if Marlon Mack does not suit up Travis, do you like Neam Hines or do you like Jordan Wilkins? For this particular game, uh, I would probably go with Naheem Hines and maybe out, you know, outlook wise for the rest of the season, just as how receiving backs are usually typically safer. But I will say that if Jordan Wilkins can, can keep his rate right now, he's averaging eight yards per carry, small sample size for sure, but he's looked better, a whole lot better than he did last year. And if Mac were to miss time, Wilkins could potentially slide right into a Mac role. And in this offense, it's been very heavily utilized in that role that line looks nice yeah so i will just say that um, wilkins has upside too but in this particular game they're playing the kansas city chiefs it's a 10 plus uh they're 10 plus point underdogs and so that being said i think naheem hines will be scripted as the better play this week way to get through that one you win there johnny john ross he's been having a good year hasn't he he just landed on the ir with a clavicle um, what does this mean for the rest of that amazing Bengals offense? That's I, sarcasm for those. The clavicle sounds like an instrument. It does. <laughs> like, uh, oh, like in, for, in fourth grade, I, mom, I played the yeah. clavicle. Mom, mom, can I go play the clavicle? Yeah. Well, he is not going to be playing with his clavicle or his recorder. <laughs> that, just, that one sounds dirty when you say it like that. <laughs> oh, he's just in the room playing with his clavicle. <laughs> And speaking of dirty, we're talking about the Bengals Ooh, offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean that in the worst way. Does this help anybody over there? Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Eifert might be a little sneaky play this week going against. Yeah, we'll Carter. be talking about Tyler Eifert in just a second. Uh, a little whisper in the bushes there about uh, a little forecasting there. But or foreshadowing, I should say. But Robert uh, John Ross, excuse me. Listen, this team is going to be now in dire need to get AJ Green back. It's not looking really good. Uh, he's not progressing like they kind of wish. He's kind of doing the exact opposite of Saquon Barkley uh, on that uh, injury front there. And so they're going to desperately need to get another wide receiver now. Uh, they do have Tate. Uh, that is. Proving to be a solid wide receiver, actually. He's a big, tall guy. He's 6'4", 6'5", I believe. He's a little lanky. Um, So I actually don't mind that as a spot start if you need, you know, a flex if Geronimo Allison, things like that, aren't on your waiver wire. 
then uh, I certainly think that that's a decent. He should see seven to ten targets. He's he's been solid in the target area, but as far as you know, Tyler Boyd, we could see an uptick in targets there. Uh, but overall, for this whole entire offense, it's not looking good. I like the Tate plug. I picked him up in our dynasty league, and I actually will be playing him this week, depending on Scary Terry's hamstring. That's it for news and notes. That's right. News and notes, as always, brought to you by Fanatic. Um, get over to your Apple, uh, the App Store, sorry, and on your Apple device and download Fanatic today. All right, so we're ready to jump into rankings reaction. Austin, we are starting with tight ends. Is that right? That's right. All right, so let's get going on these tight ends. The aforementioned Tyler Eifert. He's the first one we're going to be talking about. We've got him as that consensus 11. Kicking it over to Johnny here. Building off of our last conversation there. What do you think about Tyler Eifert this week? You have him as number 11 in that tight end one camp. Listen, I if you're streaming tight ends from week to week, uh, we I told you on the last show, on the Monday show, I told you guys to go out and pick up Tyler Eifert because he hadn't played the Monday night game. And if you're able to do that and kind of get him as a, a free, the price of free, then you can certainly play him this week. Listen, the Cardinals secondary is awful. They are giving, they are 32nd against the tight end position. They're giving up the most points uh, to that position. And with John Ross now gone, we just talk about, we just talked about it. He should see an uptick in targets, which he had already been seeing, as well as his snaps were also going up each each week that we've been playing. So I think this is setting up for a wonderful day for Tyler Eifert. If you are in a bind and need a streamer tight end, I love Tyler Eifert this week. Yeah, I think the the point that Johnny made, they're dead last against the tight end. Uh, you know, I could write every week about, you know, in the player stay away article that you to start your tight end against Arizona. So, but I think that the bottom line here is they're not just bad. They are not just the worst. They give up 19 points per game to the tight end. That's seven more than any other team in the NFL. Like this is the most sure thing you're going to get in fantasy. And so I think that Tyler Eifert's a no-brainer, especially in a landscape of tight end that consistently lets you down. And he's looking in a good spot because he's going to be getting more targets. We know that John Ross is down. We know that Dalton has had a good relationship with Tyler Eifert in the past, and they're playing the best defense to pair up against. And not only that, but the Arizona Cardinals just released DJ Swearinger, which is the safety. So they're going to be relying on rookie safeties. So that doesn't even mm. bode even better than DJ Swearinger, who is playing awful. So a good option over there sticking with the tight ends here number 17 delaney walker he's had a pretty good year but you got him ranked here as the number 17 tight end johnny tell me about delaney walker over here with that i've never i have not been a, a big fan of delaney walker at all even coming into the season and a lot of people hit us up after week one and we're like, whoa, what about tyler or what about delaney walker you guys talk about him and you rank him low and since then, he has done virtually nothing. He had two targets last week uh, in a game where they blew out the Atlanta Falcons. He should have had a good game in theory, but they didn't go to him. And then this week, he gets the Buffalo Bills, who ranked number two against that tight end position. So I am saying steer clear of Delaney Walker. I would never have him on my team anyway. But if I did, I would be benching him certainly for a guy like Tyler Eifert for sure. I, yeah, I just have trouble trusting what the Titans are doing. They have actually been a decent NFL team, uh, but they don't seem to hit the same guy in back-to-back -back or even three games in a row. Uh, you know, it was A.J. Brown in the beginning, maybe Delaney Walker over here, then you got Adam Humphreys involved. I just don't think that Mariota can consistently get it to Delaney Walker enough, and I don't think the Bills are the matchup you're itching to go put yeah. Delaney Walker into. Boomer bust games, likely a bust game over here. Moving on now to the quarterbacks. First one we're going to talk about is Jared Goff. You have him ranked number six. We know he was coming off of that huge week last week in terms of volume. A little bit disappointing, though. Jury's still out there right now. Travis, number six for you. You like him, you like him this week? Yeah, I just think that when you're looking at it, it's a decent over-under for a Thursday game. It's 48. We just saw when two good teams got together in the Packers and 
uh, Eagles got together. That was a monster shootout. I think this has potential to be a shootout game. And we're coming off a game where Goff threw almost 70 times, almost broke or tied the NFL record for passing attempts. I'm really seeing something here in the Rams that's a little concerning, if I'm honest. Gurley not being able to kind of take over games and do what he did in the last two years. And now Goff having to be the guy that puts the team on his back and throw a ton for this offense, which is good for fantasy purposes. And if you have some of those pass catchers, maybe bad for uh, Todd Gurley. But really, just I I really like this spot for uh, Jared Goff. Last year against Seattle, he threw for over 300 yards in both games. And we're talking about a a team that is throwing more than it was last year by a lot. So I, I think that Goff is in the position here. And I think he missed some throws last week, and he would admit that. And I think... Maybe he gets some of those throws back this week and is able to hit some more marks. Not only that, but Travis, if you and also if you look at what he has done throughout this season, he's been pretty consistent, and that's something other than his first game. You take that out; it was against Carolina Panthers. You take that out; he has been a very solid quarterback for you. And Travis talked about it; they are not running the ball at all this year for some reason. There is not. Gurley is not right or they're not willing to completely open him up and they're not giving uh, him touches. They ran the ball 11 times last week. That's not going to get it done. They will need to run the ball more. Uh, But Jared Goff, he's going to be chucking this thing all over the field. Listen, we Andy Dalton looked like a great quarterback against the Seattle defense. And so if he can do it, we all watched that terrible, terrible Monday night game. Uh, I am confident that Jared Goff can get the job done. Temper your expectations just a little, though, because it is a Thursday night game, and I know we all get so excited because it's the first game of the week, but it always seems to disappoint in some way or another. And so, But with that said, Jared Goff should be a solid start for you. Another start over here that's usually a pretty comfortable one, but you have him as a number 12 quarterback this week, and that's Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Travis, I know this is a... Uh, a man close to your heart on this one. I just don't love the matchup. I don't love what I've seen out of the offense for four quarters, uh, which, you know, has been kind of non-existent. Last week was a a nice uh, look. And I, I would say as a fan, I'm hopeful that the 10 days off give Green Bay an opportunity to get this thing together and they get an offense rolling. But with Devontae Adams potentially missing time, Don't really love that. And then he's playing a Dallas team that allows the fifth least points to the quarterback. And he's only posted top 12 numbers once. And that was the last week. So not a lot here to base. I can't believe I'm saying this in a world with Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers has not consistently been a top five or even top 12 option for you. And so we're just a little hesitant. That's why he's right at that borderline there at number 12 for us. Um, And I just think, you know, if you've got a better option in our top 12, if you, if you took a chance on Kyler Murray, you're probably sitting here liking Kyler Murray's outlook a little more than Aaron Rodgers mm. this week against Dallas. Mm. Certainly, and then you look at the last 10 games of Aaron Rodgers. So dating back into last season, he has only thrown multiple touchdowns on two of those games, and one of which was last weekend. And you don't like, you know, we talked about Devontae Adams and the chances of him playing or not playing. When he was out of this lineup, this offense struggled. Uh, Aaron Rodgers does a lot more checkdowns to the running backs. They got the second most targets of any position. And then the number one targeted position was the tight end. So as we know, Jimmy Graham is no spring chicken, so it's not like he's running down the field like he was in New Orleans. He's doing more around the line of scrimmage stuff. So with that being said, I think they will, will, will rely on the run a little bit more in this matchup. And uh, I'm worried about Aaron Rodgers. We're moving on now to the wide receivers. We're going to start at the number five ranked receiver by the TFW. And that is Chris Godwin, who had an amazing week last week. I know a lot of people had him on their benches with concerns of that injury, but he came in and did some really impressive work. Uh, Johnny, you have him at number five here. Um, uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, so Chris Godwin is a guy that I continue to be high on. Listen, Tampa Bay has two wide receivers right now ranked in the top 10, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin 
listen, I came into this season saying in order for Chris Godwin to achieve these wide receiver one numbers, he was going to have to get 24% market share. And I didn't see it with the emergence of OJ Howard. Well, guess what? OJ Howard is completely non-existent and therefore Godwin is being able to get that 24% market share, which he currently sits at. He's uh, coming off of a monster game, like you just said, 174 yards and two touchdowns. Do you like that? The one thing, though, and this is the one caveat I will say, is that if if he does have a bad game, he will be lined up against Eli Apple, which a lot of people want to trash Eli Apple and say he's not a good corner, but that was that was with the Giants. Since he joined the Saints team, he has been a very solid corner. In fact, he has been one of the bottom five most targeted corners in the entire league, which is insane when you think about it because a lot of people think he is so bad. But for some reason, quarterbacks aren't targeting him. So that will change, however, this weekend with Chris Godwin. It's bound to happen because Chris Godwin gets a ton of targets. But it will be a fun matchup. But I ultimately do think Chris Godwin will be able to get the job done. I think it'll also depend on how they put Godwin, you know, versus slot versus outside too, uh, mm-hmm. depending on what what kind of matchup he draws against the secondary. But I think, you know, to Johnny's point, Marshawn Lattimore will not be on him, and that's the guy you're really worried about, especially in these big matchups, because he tends to get more amped. You saw what he did to Amara Cooper last mm-hmm. week, as broadcasted on Sunday Night Football. But I love, you know, Godwin to soak up whatever's left. I do project this to be a bad Jameis Winston game, yeah. but I think it's going to be funneled all the stuff is probably going to be funneled to Chris Godwin, given that Mike Evans will be lined up against Marshawn Lattimore. So for me, I love Godwin to kind of continue his role here and uh, continue to get that nice market share in a offense that loves to get vertical. I think we're finally starting to see the Bruce Arians effect over there. Yeah, for sure. Pulling this together. We know he's an amazing coach and he's going to bring the best out of his players. He's got an awesome shootout against the Rams last week. So I wouldn't put it past Tampa Bay to be a road warrior team that goes in here but I just I saw what New Orleans just did to Dallas and I'm a little concerned so that's what if if you need a streaming option for the defense I would say that the Saints could be a nice matchup here with you know famous Jameis you know has a lot of picks in his past so it wouldn't be a bad defensive stream if someone like Carolina the Bills or um, even Tennessee's defense isn't on the waiver I would be okay starting the Saints defense. All I'll say is that you would you were feeling really good about starting an Aaron Donald led Rams defense last This is week. true. This is and very, you got very 50, true. You got 55 dropped also on, you on the road for Tampa Bay. Like they went into LA and faced them. So I think we need so. to we need to keep our eyes open for what Tampa Bay could really be about because this this could be a surprise offensive juggernaut. This could be one of those. I don't know if it would be a surprise offensive juggernaut. We kind of expected this. I think it would be a surprise to be consistent. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a wrecking ball that comes in and takes out the Rams by dropping 55 points. Who knows? Goes into the Patriots. Goes into uh, over there in New England and puts up massive points over there. I don't think anybody was expecting that. Yeah. we, we We might see that. We might see that. All right. Moving on here. The number 24 receiver you have ranked. Marquez Valdez Scantling, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, the potential new number one for Aaron Rodgers. What do you think about this Packers fan, Travis? Yeah, I think that's the case here is if Devontae Adams, which signs are not looking good for him, um, has to sit this game. You're looking at MVS, who is already outside, slides into the number one role, which means a ton of targets. Uh, by by de facto to the number one. Now we could see a situation where Geronimo Allison steps in and becomes the number one, and they're working more uh, of the younger wide receivers in on the slot. But I actually think that Marquez Valdez Scantling is a guy that is ready to break out. He has the speed, he has the size. If he gets thrust into a number one role, he's got all the talent in the world to cash in on it. And I think Rodgers knows that. He's been quoted multiple times yeah. saying that MVS is finally playing to his game speed, meaning that he's finally playing to his talent. And so I think that MVS is in a in a nice blow-up spot here of any of those pass catchers because we know Dallas is a bad matchup, but Rodgers will force-feed a guy, and I think MVS has a shot at that. Yeah, so when you look at Devontae Adams and the plays that happened after he went down, he went down in the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes left. The Packers were able to run about 20 more offensive snaps after Devontae Adams went down. If you look at the target market shares 
from that moment on. MBS led that with three targets. Geronimo Allison only got one there. And you also look at what, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier. He, Rodgers tended to target the tight end and the running backs a little bit more than they did the wide receiver core. I don't mind either Marquez, Valdez, or Geronimo Allison as a flex play here. I think, well, and based on my rankings, MBS would be a wide receiver too. I like the upside. I am a little concerned that he is still making a couple of mental errors, and that's what's really kind of hindered him from taking the ceiling off of here. Mm-hmm. But honestly, we had seen this before with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, when he first came to league, struggled at first. He wasn't on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. And then, guess what? He was thrusted into this position. He was forced to become the number one because of uh, Jordy Nelson going down and hasn't looked back since. So I wouldn't be surprised if MVS followed that same kind of you know path to glory as Devontae Adams did. And, you know, I'm bumping up for me personally, everybody on that Packers offense except Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams going down. I like mm-hmm. Geronimo Allison for the first time a lot more than I have. I like MVS a lot more than I did last week. I like Jimmy Graham a lot. I love Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I'd like Jimmy Jimmy Graham Graham to catch a touchdown pass, you know, with both hands instead of trying to go up with one hand. (laughs) What he pulled in last week? No. You didn't like that one last week? Okay, no. And and even Aaron Jones over there, we know Jamal Williams is going to be down. Uh, I think you bump up everybody over there on the offense, minus Aaron Rodgers. All right, moving on to one that stings for me personally. Number 42, you have him ranked. Brandon, the madman cooks himself uh, ranked man. at 42. He's the number 25 wide receiver on the year right now. Johnny number 42 for you. Uh, I know this is on a Thursday night. I know we should temper some expectations over there. What brought you to this number 42 ranking? Basically unplayable. Listen, uh, I, he, I don't mind him as a flex play here. I'm just concerned with the fact that, like you said, it was a, it's a Thursday night game. And it just seems like these L.A. Rams wide receivers, other than Cooper Cup, is just a dart throw. And I'm saying the same thing about Robert Woods. I just feel like Robert Woods, this is going to be his game. Uh, we saw him, you know, kind of have a breakout game last last weekend. And so I think he'll continue it. Uh, but at the end of the day, will I be surprised if Brandon Cooks is in the top 24 at the wide receiver position? No, I won't. Uh, I just don't project it to be that way because of, you know, the game script and things like that. Let's remember, again, they didn't run the ball that much against Tampa Bay. I think they'll try to run the ball a little bit more here, being a short week, being against Seattle, who does have a little bit tougher uh, of a defense when they play at home. And so I, I just I am cautious of this entire offense to be honest with you, and just this Thursday. I've learned my lesson through four weeks that I need to hinder everything that I think about a Thursday night game uh, with the exception of my boy DJ Shark. Uh, but other than that, I am, I'm a little cautious of what's going on here with uh, Brandon Cooks. He's getting 18% market share, so he's getting a, a fair share of, his, of, that, of that wide receiver core. Uh, I just don't like him as much as Woods or Cup. Yeah, if he doesn't get one of those big games, it's it's going to be a very, very mediocre minus performance. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, I think to hit on some of the points I made earlier with Goff, I think that this offense is has hit a different level. And what they're doing now is just an offense that's extremely talented, but maybe doesn't have that same ability to choke you out each and every week. And that's because they don't have a strong running game yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they have not had Todd Gurley be, go into games and take it over and then have that jet sweep play action, those deep crossing routes mm-hmm. that Cooks has been known for in this offense and in others. Um, he's only had nine yards per target, or he's had nine yards per target or less in three of four games this year. And then you look at Seattle in the matchup. Johnny alluded to it a little bit about Seattle at home is a tough matchup. Seattle's also bottom 10 in the league in for teams that allow 20-plus yard pass plays so you look at that and they're not giving up the big play that much and that's kind of how cook's feast is on that big play and so in his career some things have had to line up his yards per target and the big play for him to be a consistent fantasy player and this week i just don't know if i see it in the tea leaves um so to speak i will say though i think that this offense will continue to probably be pass heavy so like johnny said as a flex play you're probably you know you're probably okay with with brandon cooks here because yeah, if he hits, like, that's a good day, you know? Right. He, he's one of those guys who can get you a 50-yard touchdown at any moment. At any moment. 
but that's usually set up through the play action, which right. has really not been what we're used to seeing out of a Sean McVay team. Number 44, DJ Moore, technically the number one over there in Carolina. Um, this is a fairly low ranking. Travis, how do you feeling about DJ Moore? Oh, right it's just been an emotional roller coaster being a, a, a truther of DJ Moore. <laughs> um, I love DJ Moore's talent. I thought he was a perfect fit for the North Turner offense. I thought Cam Newton was going to have his shoulder repaired and look good. It ended up being his ankle that took him out. And now Kyle Allen came in and DJ Moore kind of, if you weren't really paying attention the first week with Kyle Allen, you're like, DJ Moore, cool. He scored a touchdown. Yeah, he had two catches. So uh, he's got seven targets in two games with Kyle Allen. He is a non-existent as far as a number one or even number two option in this offense as far as targets are concerned. I watched what Kyle Allen did last week, and I had I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit. So I really just I don't love what's going on in Carolina after them being a dark horse Super Bowl contender for me, especially because of what they can do on offense. And they're playing a, a, a tougher Jags D. I know it hasn't played up to its ability, but at any point, this Jags D can get very physical. And I think the over-under here is low at 44 points. That's kind of scares me. I just don't think it's time for you to be trotting out DJ Moore with the confidence you were having when Cam Newton was at the helm. Yeah, you also look at who who should be guarding DJ Moore. DJ Moore being the number one wide receiver, like Austin had alluded to, he will draw either AJ Boye uh, if Ramsey isn't playing, and then if Ramsey is playing, he's getting Ramsey. So either one, I don't like the matchup. Uh, so for me, DJ Moore is a sit. Uh, I don't even honestly, unlike Brandon Cooks, where I could, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a good game. I would kind of be surprised here if DJ Moore had a really good game. Fair enough over there. Moving on now from wide receivers to running backs. We've got the number 13 running back for the fantasy whispers, Wayne Gallman. This is a little higher than the consensus rankings is. Are they sleeping on him, Travis? I just think it's really about volume. This is a really tough matchup, uh, yeah. obviously, against Minnesota. But what I was really encouraged about was to see him get ca six catches, 55 yards, and a receiving touchdown with this offense, which means no matter what the matchup, he should still be scripted in as part of this offense. Obviously, Tate comes in. Um, uh, Tate comes in, and so that means that maybe – that could take away from that. But I actually think Tate may help the offense become more multidimensional. And in that case, I think that um, I think in that case, Gallman actually stands to benefit quite a bit here because they become more uh, multidimensional and therefore uh, Gallman is actually a threat for them. Uh, Johnny, I know that you have your issues with Gallman, but you still like him a little bit as a fringe RB one and the uh, definite RB two. Yeah, listen, this mostly comes down to, like you said, you you hit the nail on the head when you talk about volume. Volume is key in fantasy football. They're not really giving the ball to anybody else behind that backfield except for Gallman. And also, you spent the money for Gallman, and it's looking like he is only going to be a few-week starter. We thought it was going to be up to eight weeks, and now they're saying Saquon could be possibly even ready for this game, which is absurd. I don't think that that's going to happen, uh, but you know, maybe two more weeks. And so I'm going to be playing Gallman each and every single week, uh, no matter the matchup, because you paid for him. So why not get your money's worth? And we do know they brought in that one other running back Hillman. His name was who fumbled on the goal line. So I don't think you're going to be worrying about anybody swooping goal line work from Gallman, who also was able to score himself. Yep. Um, and Daniel Jones could be, I'm not saying that he's a good quarterback, but he could be what this Giants offense needs to shake it up and to be able to actually make plays, get first downs, move the ball. And yes, once again, you haven't done a lot against Minnesota on the ground, but they just gave up a receiving touchdown to Tariq Cohen. So receiving touchdowns seem to be the way you could get backs in space on this yeah. defense. Gallman's going to have opportunities. Gallman will have opportunities. Number 16 running back, you have Matt Breda with the San Francisco 49ers, one of the uh, handful they have over there, but looking like the lead dog. Johnny, I know you've been a Matt Breda fan in the past, and looks like you are right now. Tell me about him. Yeah, so Matt Breda and this 49ers offense, uh, I know Travis going to get into the numbers a little bit more, but this offense runs the ball, and they run it very, very effectively. And yes, there are 
in theory, could be a three-headed monster, could be a two-headed monster. We're not really sure if Tevin Coleman is going to be able to play in this game. Uh, They're going back and forth. Some people do think he'll be able to make it. Uh, If he doesn't, or if he does, either way, we know that Matt Burita is the the between-the-20s runner, and he has the ability to hit the home run play each and every time he touches the ball. And so I'm going to go with consistency. And I know he's going to get uh, you know a good amount of touches, uh, 13 to 15. And so you you pair that with the fact that they are doing it really really efficiently running the ball. And I like the matchup. It all leads me to believe that Matt Burrito is going to be a very solid start for you uh, as a running back to this week. Yeah, I think contingent on the what Johnny spoke about with Tevin Coleman. For Tevin Coleman to come back, it maybe would discount Matt Breda just a little bit here, maybe knocking him more to a RB3 range with some upside. But here's what Johnny was talking about with the running game for San Francisco. People ask, how is San Francisco 3-0? and They run the ball and they play defense, and they're 11th in yards per attempt at the running from all their running backs. They're eighth in rushing attempts. They had a bye, guys. They're 13th in rushing touchdowns. They had a bye. Like, this is a team that is is consistently running the ball at a high level. And in two games, Matt Breda has 13 or more touches and nine or more points in a half-point PPR. And so I'm just really – if you've got – it's kind of similar. Not nah, it's, it's, it's Kansas City light. If, if the two running backs are starting for them, you're starting those two running backs. Yeah. Um, and I think in this case, just because out of pure volume – Shanahan will consistently put out a guy that's or a couple guys that are going to be doing speaking of backfields with multiple guys who can handle (laughs) the rock. The number 32 back you have is Miles Sanders, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, We saw Jordan Howard uh, take that goal line work and and get you close to 30 points last week. But Miles Sanders had a really nice play on special teams. He had that big run. We broke out, ran for like 70 something yards. Uh, I think it was you have him right around the RB three. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think, look, he's uh, RB3. He's got some RB2 upside. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to get the game that Jordan Howard got just yet because he's not consistently getting the goal line work. But I think what we're seeing here is a guy that's really flashy, gets worked in the passing game, has some ability to break the big play, and they're playing a <laughs> Philly's playing the Jets. Yeah. They're double-digit favorites. So Sanders is going to get plenty of run in this game. And I think if you're sitting there and you got teams on by – uh, you know, you got carry on Johnson on by maybe and you're sitting there and you got some injuries that have hit your roster. You could do a lot worse than Miles Sanders this week. Yeah, Miles Sanders is a guy that until he gets that, you know, touchdown coveted touchdown role, uh, I won't be super, super excited about. He certainly has the talent. We love the talent. We talk about it all the time on the show. I just unfortunately we don't see you know Philadelphia Eagles running backs get the full workload like we wish they would, and you know Jordan Howard will get that. Also, the fumbling issues is the main reason why Sanders isn't getting the goal line carries. That's that's why they don't have him in there because he's fumbled it twice now on the goal line or near the in the red zone, I should say. And so they don't fully trust him now. Can he get that under control? I hope so because he's an electrifying running back and he clearly is way better than Jordan Howard. Listen, if last weekend's game would have went in Sanders, you know, and he had the three touchdowns, I would be buying that a lot more than I would have been buying the Jordan Howard three touchdowns. Uh, but unfortunately, this is what he likes to do in, in Philadelphia. They like to use a running back by committee. Uh, So it's unfortunate. One thing I will say, though, I do like is the fact that uh, we finally saw where they didn't uh, allow. um, Now I'm blanking on his name, of course, right when I'm Jared Sproles. Sproles, Thank you. They didn't allow Sproles to carry the the rock, which they should never do when you have two running backs uh, with the repertoire that uh, Sanders and Jordan Howard have. Uh, But I think just to just to piggyback a little bit on what Johnny's saying, we haven't seen anybody kind of take over this backfield as one guy under Doug Peterson. Uh, but I will say that what we did see back with Jay Ajayi, when they traded for him, he got a slow start into that offense. But then in through the playoffs, he was getting some nice usage. And so to Johnny's point, I think Miles Sanders can earn a more significant role and more goal line work. But right now, uh, you can't trust him at the level you would trust uh, you know, maybe Jay Ajayi back in those years. 
But uh, for me, I, I think Miles Sanders this week against the Jets. Could be a good, good week. Yeah, could be a good week. For a guy who you're not expecting to have a good week, <laughs> New England Patriots running back Sony Michelle, one of the 17 they have over there. Uh, you have him ranked <laughs> as the number 43 halfback, Johnny. If I, um, if I had a panic button right now, I would I would hit that and continue to hit it until it just broke because that's how much I am panicking on Sony Michelle. Listen, you know times are bad when they give Brandon Bolden the goal line carry. And that should terrify each and every single one of you because Brandon Bolden hasn't had a carry in a long time. And this is what Bill Belichick likes to do. He sees matchups. He sees different things. And now you have what we even thought. And look, we haven't even seen the rookie yet. We haven't even seen the rookie come in here that they drafted high uh, in the draft. So with all these running backs, Rex Burkhead back there, him getting carries, uh, and then, you know, the only one that I honestly deem startable right now and feel safe starting him is James White because I know what his role is and I know he's going to be locked in to 8 to 10 targets and he could be in in the red zone because they like the pass on but with Sony Michelle getting zero pass catches which we all thought that that was going to be the deciding factor and why we all kind of liked him and he kind of surged at the end of draft season was because there were these reports that they were going to actually pass him the ball, but they continued to not do it for some reason. I don't know. They must see something in practice uh, because he's not getting that. Until he gets that, I'm panicking so hard on on Sony Michelle. Yeah, I think, you know, Johnny's talking about the panic here, and I think obviously he talked about the hype too. At the end of last year, we saw Sony being used as a bell cow for this offense, yeah. scoring multiple touchdowns into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl. And what we've seen so far this year in a ton of positive game script is Sony Michelle massively underproduce. And so 2.8 yards per carry only behind a pretty good offensive line on a pretty good football team. And yet getting his goal line carry siphoned off because maybe he's not running well enough for them to trust. I think a lot of people, when they were looking at Sony Michelle before the seasons had started, would not have been surprised if you told them that Sony Michelle is going to disappoint you fantasy wise, but you'd expect to be disappointed through things like not getting the volume, not being involved in certain plays. Um, just not having the role, but you know that they're always going to be mixing in people in these kinds of things. When you're concerned, though, because of his production. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, not only is he not getting the volume, but the volume he's getting, he's not doing much with it. Right. And and Travis um, Travis made a monster point. Their game script should feed right into their hands. They have the easiest yeah. schedule of any team in the NFL, and yet they're still not using him. That screen. It's going to get harder. Oh, this just, easy route for the Patriots is about to get a little bit more difficult. And if Sony Michelle, well, was not, not this able, week, but yeah. not yes. this week <laughs> coming up though, yeah. coming up though, yeah, no, it's, for it's sure. going to be a lot more difficult than Sony Michelle. If he can't do it against the teams they're doing it with now, I don't know why we'd expect him to be doing and it. And this is the thing can the, we can talk about his draft capital all, he, all we want, but Bill Belichick's not going to care. If you continue to carry the ball at sub three yards per carry, he's going to find somebody else. And they kind of already did in the first few weeks in Rex Burkhead in spot. Bill Belichick doesn't care. Bill Belichick is ready to die. Yeah. He doesn't care <laughs> yeah. about anything. Yeah. So I just, I just think that Sony Michelle is a guy that you should be very panicked on. And I wouldn't be putting him anywhere near my lineups if I could spare it, if I had the running back depth. Um, so that's just our take on Sony Michelle. But I, I would wanna... really, I would just a real side note. I would love for one of these reporters to just ask Bill Belichick about one fantasy football question, just to see what you think his he'd answer that one. Like, I can tell you what his response would be. This is his response. It, it would be, uh, we're on to the New York Giants. Like that's a that's what it would be. But it I'm would telling be, you I right now, that. I'm telling Bill Belichick is the greatest. Oh, did at, you guys hear? At, at at no at his interaction with the media is so it's so great it's because it would take so much of all of us to be the same person every single time you talk to the media yeah. and this guy goes up there and he's like yeah uh we play good players and if they're not good we don't play well did you hear what he when That's they it. asked him about analytics and he's like they're like so it seems like you're really analytical when it comes to football and he's like i don't i don't know anything about analytics it's like what? No, he would be the one. He would be the one coach. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense that you don't care about analytics, but you do <laughs> everything analytically because, to because, perfection. Yeah, right, because yeah. everything's in his head. He doesn't need somebody else to tell him numbers. He's got the numbers he's here. Like, Duh. He's been playing five running. He's backs the for rain years. man, the NFL. And I think 
oh dude if you guys whisper nation if you want to treat go over and watch bill belichick uh sound effects he i think he's only done a few of them but they're <laughs> so good i mean it just shows an onslaught of the patriots scoring in multiple games and he doesn't care yeah. they score multiple touchdowns and he's just like anyways off no days off that, just like us that, here that wraps up our uh, rankings rundown here. Rank uh, Whisper Nation, if you had any guys that you didn't see here or that we you thought we were too low or too high on, comment and like on the video here, and we'll get back to you. Uh, you can slide in DMs on any social platform. I want to end it with just a little uh, rapid fire here. Uh, Austin, I want to start with you. What is your biggest buy low guy right now? Oh, my God. Any position? Any position. Just a guy that you're looking at right now that you're like, oh, yeah, this is a buy low candidate based on some of the things that are going on with it. On the highest level, it'd be Juju Smith-Schuster is the first one that comes to mind. I don't know if anybody who has him is actually going to be selling him at a discount. But there's a world where he doesn't emerge to be something very special. But I think that offense is going to continue to move the ball. He's clear cut the most talented option over there. And especially at pass catching positions, the cream rises to the top. Give it some time. I expect to see a wide receiver one version of Juju Smith following week nine. All right, Johnny. And then on uh, for you, I want to talk about um, a sell high guy. So. You caught me off guard there because uh, I was I I had a name in my head for a buy low and so now let me switch that for a second. Well, I mean the obvious one is Jordan Howard, but if you play in any kind of uh, you know competitively, you're not going to be able to do that. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of of a couple of guys that I might have if I can if I can move Emmanuel Sanders right now. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't think that he can't finish out this year as a solid wide receiver, but you know he's playing a lot better than we all projected him to do, uh, as well as um, you know, I, dang I. Well, I like I like how this one. I, I like how Corton Sutton has emerged there too. So I kind of yeah. buy into a little bit of what you're saying with Emmanuel Sanders. I think buy low candidates for me are OBJ. I think the market share that he's getting is is huge, and you should DeAndre Hopkins is another one you should be buying low on. Uh, a guy I would I would maybe look to sell high on is uh, you know Chris Carson. Maybe with Rashad Penny to coming back, we could look at Chris Carson as a guy you could go ahead and move on uh, quickly. But I will say uh, those who have consistently doubted Chris Carson have been wrong. They have been wrong. I mean, the Seahawks continuously trust Chris Carson over time, so maybe that's not the case. Either way, this is the week. Yeah, this is this is the week to do it. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for us. As always, if you want any more content, hit thefantasywhispers.com, and we've got all the content there for you. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, Austin Sear, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fantasy Whispers, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Check us out live on Sunday morning for your last-second lineups. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.